This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Mr. Razorback, he's he, he's back in business. We I don't know what the story is, but hey, it's good to have him back. I wonder if we'll ever get the story. You know, but you got all the rumors and everything that was floating around and this and that. But I wonder if we'll ever get publicly uh, any uh, any information on why Devo Davis left the team and and how he's been welcomed back now. News came out last night during Eric Musselman live. Uh, it is interesting, Matt. I mean, it's not that this is the reason this happens, but. Uh, I felt one of the one of the one of the goals for yesterday's show was to kind of dodge uh, talking about Arkansas basketball too much because it's just not been a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, certainly not the game against LSU. If <laughs> you would have gotten a, maybe the kind of performance against Kentucky or you know a win, we wouldn't have danced around it at all. And we got a lot of help yesterday. Yesterday was 11 days before Arkansas baseball starts. We had 33 entries into everybody's favorite number 11. So I wonder what we'll get for number 10 today since uh, we are one day ahead. Um, We kicked around a lot of Super Bowl stuff, uh, other college basketball items, some college football things. And then, then, you know, you kind of got to talk about when the guy who, as you have referred to him quite often over the last year, Mr. Razorback, is now welcome back to the team after – Stepping away, to use the, the, the press release's uh, terminology, for a second time in two years. And I guess it's, it sounds, Matt, like it's welcome back with open arms. Uh, you know, back to practice and with the rest of the season now in the balance and another month to try to find a way to get into some sort of postseason tournament. Uh, I guess some of the drama in that case... I don't know if it puts it to bed because I think we all have our uh, questions as to why this happened. But part of the drama was also, will he ever return? I truthfully did not think that he would return just because of how late it was from the step away from the program. But now he's back, and uh, I guess it's not quite as much drama as it was a couple days ago. Yeah, I mean, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, you you hope whatever he had to take care of, it it got taken care of. Uh, I'm a Devo fan. Uh, I, I like the way he plays the game of basketball, and uh, we're we're a better team if he's out there and he's buying in. No 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 question about it. If he's if he's listening to us and he's being the the leader that he is and and, and playing basketball the Devo way in the in the Razorback way and and giving us his best, no question we're a better team with him on the roster. Yeah, I agree. As as long as long as there's buy-in from him, and now I mean he, this was the guy that was supposed to be your team leader for this season for obvious reasons. I mean, the guy that's been around the program for longer than anybody else, and how rare is it to have somebody with your program for four years? Uh, so, I, man, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm past the point of wondering who can lead this team, who's going to be the leader and, and all of that. I just want to find some way that there can be some chemistry for this group so that we can have uh, at least a better last month, whether or not they make a run in Nashville, whether or not they you know, somehow – make it to the NCAA tournament, which feels like it's so out of reach right now, whether or not they make it to the NIT. I would just like 
to because I'm going to be watching all the games as long as I'm not traveling at that moment. I, I want to watch a team that looks like uh, that they can compete because that's been the overarching thing. You can point to all the stats and the record and everything. It's just too many games where they've been non-competitive, and it's not fun to watch that. that I mean, you're right, Phil. It's, it's, we, we've been way too inconsistent for whatever reason. Uh, injuries, uh, leave of absences, uh, players playing 27, 31 minutes, and then the next game being a healthy scratch or, or starting it. We've had multiple times people starting, and for whatever reason, they play seven minutes and don't step on the floor again. It has been very erratic, to say the least, and especially this deep into the season. It's, it's, uh, it's something I've never seen before out of a coaching staff and out of a basketball team that this late into the season, they, they still don't know who they are. Like that's, that's, you're just like, man, we, we got nine games left and you really don't know who – they don't have an identity yet. And I don't know if they're going to find one or get one this year. I think it's just a, it's like John Lennon's L.A. years. It's just the lost years. It's just, it's just that's the year. And so uh, that's, that's just how it's going to be this year. And, and, and I think they'll get it right next year. I would really like to find a strawberry fields forever for this group right now. Mm-hmm. It, ain't, it ain't there, but at least, at least part of this drama is, is at least put to bed. And the only part of that is will he return or won't he return? Will he be welcome back or not? And the answer to both questions right now is yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that's a theme uh, that we can hit on throughout this show, but, you know, it's, it's only so much you can kick it around. Well, and, and the other thing is that the other guy is Brazil. How, how healthy is he back, too? I mean, we have this week off from game to game. You saw what LSU did with their time off. If you get both those guys back, Phil, and they buy in, no question we could go 5-4 and four and make the NIT. I think that would be our ceiling with both those guys back playing the way uh, that they know how, how, how they can play. But they got to buy in. You you got it. You got to start. It start. It's, it should have started already, but it, it needs to start this week if you want to go five and four. So that's where we'll start today. You got uh, SEC basketball back to action tonight. We'll hit on that as we go throughout the show too. Uh, some of the Super Bowl stuff. Uh, I didn't pay too much attention to media days yesterday, to be quite honest. Uh, it's sifting through too many of the questions that don't make any sense and all the all the cliche speak and everything so it's uh, it's one of those things i've usually avoided do you see uh did you see the beebs uh hockey uh attire at the nhl all-star game i, I know missed some, on that some of the listeners is barry scott wyland just a big old he didn't have his megaphone but just a big old fur coat with some dots on you know just rock star so to speak you know scott wyland's a rock star so, could well, he sing like scott wyland please you know, Scott, it's a, they both probably a lot of auto-tune. Probably both of them are overrated in, in that aspect. Um, but to, to watch those players go in, like to, to see your, your, uh, your boy Patty Mahomes dressed up, to see Kelsey uh, to dressed up, to, to see uh, some of the other guys, w- what they were wearing. They said Brock Purdy was dressed like the first grade of middle school, like the, the attire he had on. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Travis Kelsey was dressed like uh, – the, you you seen that uh, 21 Jump Street? He's like dressed like the, the undercover weed dealer that we all know is the undercover weed guy. You know, it's like it was uh, it was funny watching him walk in. It's a little bit of the way that most NBA players, I feel like, show up. You know, it's a it's a fashion. It's a fashion moment. It's like a red carpet, I guess. Right. Who are you wearing? Yeah. Did, they, did anybody get asked that yesterday? It's, it's ridiculous. I'm sure I, they did. It's ridiculous. I saw a little bit on Fallon. I didn't see the I didn't see the media days. Well, I'm more interested in this uh, ruling by the National Labor Relations Board that now says that the Dartmouth basketball team can unionize, that they are, in the eyes of the NLRB, viewed as employees 
of, I don't know if it's the university or just the athletic department or truthfully in the Ivy League, the athletic department probably is not independent of the university. That's, that's, that's the second time this has happened. Northwestern was the first. I don't think they did unionize. Uh, I'd be surprised if this doesn't also uh, start a little more of the ball rolling, Matt, of the demise of the current structure I, of college sports and direct pay from universities to students. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it goes to when it goes that way that it's SEC teams only play SEC teams. You know, like you're not well, good. You're not we're gonna, Big Ten. Remember, we've got this advisory group, so which it, feels like it's a merger of that, some kind. So that's what I'm saying. Those teams will only play. They're not going to go out and play. Uh, you know, Washington State or, or any teams. That not not because they're far away, but because they're not in the the group. And I think that's the way that it's going. And then maybe you can have some out of league games, or you can have some some type of a tournament that way. But I really think it's going to become more compact. Where SEC and Big Ten, you might they might only play each other, which. That's that'd be about forty teams. That might be enough, right? Like if you, then if you get throw Big Twelve, whatever. But hey, we don't seem to get too tired of some of the same teams playing each other in the NBA, right? They, it's, For those who are NBA fans, it would be it's not the same structure because you're not going to play eighty two games. But uh, you might actually, in this case, maybe you play maybe you play a team three times. You're just not going to have the the dominant thing where where you're going to have Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. They're all not going to be ten and zero or eleven and one because you're going to be beaten up on each other more often, right. especially if you're playing each other three times. Well, Patino this morning said that college basketball needs a quote salary cap unquote. And every time I've heard somebody mention that, I always say. But well, then where's the collective bargaining? Where's the unionization? Because if you're talking about a cap for NIL, you can't really do that without some kind of ruling from the NCAA. Or I don't even know if you, if you can do that. You can cap earnings if it's collectively bargained, and that's what this takes you down the road. That's the kind of salary cap that you have in professional sports. Well, you're, you're going to have not these one-year deals anymore, too. If you're going to have it, you're going to have multiple-year deals. It's just another, it's just another you know, Another ball rolling down the hill of the death of the current structure of college sports. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dry January is over. Check out the new Valentine's Day specials like liquor-filled chocolates. They have Jack Daniels Store Pick Barrel and Willet Bourbon and Rye as well. Come by Eastside Liquor at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. Back on halftime as we'll head to our McClarty Daniel hotline and check in with Grant Hall a day earlier than usual. And we appreciate you for being flexible there. Grant, how are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. You got it. Uh, reaction from uh, the news from Eric Musselman live last night. Devo's back on the team. Yeah, it wasn't a surprise. I mean, uh, someone had told me a week or so ago that he would be back with the team, you know, and uh, I, I think it's uh, it's interesting. You know, Phil, I, I saw a comment from Gino Ariema today that I kind of like to get into a little bit. He, he said the coaches get into coaching to have these relationships with players and as that's disappearing somewhat, maybe so is the fun of coaching. Some players feel like they owe you nothing and you owe them everything. You want them to have a great experience, 
And when you see it actually happen, uh, it's really rewarding. It just doesn't happen enough. I can well imagine that when Eric Musselman talked with Devo on Sunday and then lifted weights with him and then uh, enjoyed him having a good practice yesterday, <laughs> that that's one of the rewarding moments in coaching, you know. But it's, uh, you know, and it's interesting that I'm quoting Gino here because I, I don't know that a sailor Poffenbarger, for example, would share uh, you know, this, I mean, I, I don't think she, I don't think she had a positive experience under Gino at Connecticut. We'll put it that way, and she's doing great at Arkansas. So uh, it's just, man, I think with NIL and everything that's going on in, in college today, it's so different, so completely different from years ago. And coaches have to adjust, and players have to adjust, and we're just kind of, you know, we're living through it right now. Yeah, we are kind of learning as it goes. It's been kind of an emotional turn for for this basketball team and, and kind of ups and downs and a lot more downs than ups. What, do you think anything can be salvaged, Grant? Do you think with Devo back, and I don't know about what, what Brazil's doing, but do you think there's anything they can do and, and maybe win five of their last nine and, and get a chance to go to the NIT? Yeah, I think so, man. I mean, I, I think uh, if you just take a hard look at the schedule, there are five home games. I think they're all winnable, including Tennessee, because after all, Arkansas beat Duke and Purdue on their mm-hmm, home floor this mm-hmm. year. And then the road games are pretty daunting. I mean, uh, you know, at Mississippi State, uh, which has played well this year, at Texas A&M, at Kentucky, and at Alabama. So, you know, good luck winning any of those. But you never know. I mean, you know, you never know but what maybe one of those teams might have two starters missing or somebody hurt, or maybe they're going through what Arkansas has been through a little bit. So you just have to, you know, you start with Georgia. It's like uh, Eric said last night, he didn't, he didn't know who was next on the schedule. He's just looking at trying to have basically six, or I guess five practices this week. They're not taking any days off, you know, and Grant, trying to get back uh, playing better. Grant, I like that. I, I like the fact that they're just kind of worrying about what they can do this week and, and not worrying about another team because, honestly, they need to get back to being themselves. Yeah, and they and they have it within, I mean, with, within their mathematical power to do this thing. I mean, uh, you know, I guess if you, what, if you went 7-2 and two from here on, that'd be 18-13, maybe win a couple in the tournament. I mean, it's highly unlikely, but... Maybe we haven't seen uh, – I mean, what if they start playing like they did against Purdue and Duke again? Who, who knows? So you just never know in sports. Uh, maybe they – it's just – I think a lot of it's been a chemistry issue. Uh, there clearly are a lot of problems on this team. Like, you know, Bob Holt wrote today about they're the worst three-point defending team in the conference, and they led the nation, I think, that in that in Eric's first year. So, you know, you got to just – yeah, you you just got to put everything into beating Georgia on Saturday and trying to build off that. The way the women's team is playing right now, they 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 have the best chance of making it to the tournament out of either of the two teams. And right now, I think, I mean, you know, you look at bracketology and whatever that means, they're on the bubble, you know. But I feel if you finish over five hundred in this league, then you should get a bid. The thing though is, and it would be the same thing that could drag down Arkansas. Uh, in the men's side, if if they were on that bubble, home losses to non-conference teams, you know, and sometimes we forget about that. The Greensboro loss, that's that hurts. That hurts your resume. The UAPB loss for the women's team really hurts their resume. That that's why their RPI is is where it is instead of where you would think it would be for a team that is uh, over 500 in the SEC. So, 
You know, I, that's one thing I do worry about with the women's team is that they've got this resume right now in the league, and we're saying, all right, over 500 in the league, but a home loss to UAPB hurts. Yeah, that's been a pretty reliable indicator through the years, Phil. Uh, you know, you're talking, you're right about the SEC, but the league is a little bit down this year after the top two. You know, uh, everyone knows how good South Carolina is. The LSU's been good, so. Uh, yeah, they've got they've got work to do. I, I think winning at Florida would be huge this week. Uh, you, you know, those in some ways, Phil. I think they've played better on the road at times than at home. We were talking about that at halftime the other day when it didn't look so good against Alabama, and then they came out and had that amazing third quarter where they outscored them by uh, twenty. Uh, I think I said the wrong opponent didn't uh, a minute ago, but anyway. Uh, that was just a weird game all in all and Arkansas held on to win it. So, um, I mean, yeah, they I mean, were down. What was the, what was the, the, what did the men trail eight or nine minutes into the game against LSU? It was, it was, it was double digits, right? Yeah. We, uh, by yeah. At the 11 minute mark, we were down 13 points. Women's teams down yeah, 11 man. after the first quarter against Auburn the other day. There, there's a difference here in buy-in for both teams right now. You know, I mean, Muss has co- they scout about as well as any team does in the SEC. That's one of the strengths of Eric Musselman's coaching staff. So it's either like they're not listening or not paying attention or don't care. Well, you know, the women played seven, I think, uh, Sunday, and that's what Eric most of his career did, seven or eight, and he talked about that again last night, uh, that they still haven't. I mean, that's why he's playing all these guys. They still haven't found the, the right combination. So, uh, I mean, now what happens with – with Brazil, is he is he out for another extended period of time? Does he come back? I mean, the knee isn't getting much better, apparently. So, um, yeah, it's just, I guess it's unknowable at this point. Yeah, I mean, we got we talked about this a little bit yesterday, Grant. We're, on the perimeter, we're smaller at every guard. This is his smallest unathletic team that he's had up here. You know, our least athletic, smallest team. So, so no wonder we, we, we don't guard the per- yeah. perimeter very well. That's a good point, Matt. And he again said last night, talking about going and, and getting because somebody asked about recruiting, and they've got two coming in, I think, so far. But he said going after six, seven guys, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and he even mentioned by name. He mentioned Audis Tony and Stanley Amude, and guys of that size. I mean, I, I can remember as long ago as is when Nolan Richardson coached here, and uh, someone had told me about a kid that was six feet or something somewhere, and Nolan basically said, you know, we're looking for six four guards, you know, and that's a long time ago. So, and here's another one about that. Yesterday, I was counting uh, during the baseball lunch, and uh, by the way, it was an overflow crowd. They had to bring in tables. People are so, are so looking forward to something that's successful, you know. But on that roster of 43 guys, Phil, uh, 33 of them are six foot one or taller, and a lot, you know, on up to six, two, three, four, five, and six, and like that. And Davey, you know, he said the the game's getting bigger. I mean, look at you know, look at two guys, Benintendi and Fletcher, who may both start for the White Sox this year, uh, are under six feet, right? I mean, it wasn't Fletcher about five nine, five ten, something yeah. like that. Yeah, he's, he's he's about that too, but he's also barrel chested too, and you know, ben, that's right. Those forearms that just uh, look like but you know, forearms. And, and, Back when the bunt was part of baseball still, and, you know, guys like that, I mean, I mean, a long time ago, I mean, Richie Ashburn led off for a long time. For, I mean, you and I could go on and on about this, but players are getting bigger in baseball. Richie Ashburn handed me my first foul ball, Grant. 
I was like four months. Really? I was four months old. It was a Pirates Phillies game. My my parents took me to the game at Three Rivers Ashburn. Of course, he was on the Phillies broadcast crew for a long time, and we were sitting up in the in a in an empty TV booth. Ball flies it past uh, through our booth into the hallway. My father reaches down. Richie Ashburn hands down. He's the Hall of Famer. He got to it first. He gave me the ball. I probably threw it away at some point or drooled on it since I was four months. Did you, did you ever see Shibe? A little bit? Yeah. About that, yeah. Did you ever see Shibe Park in Philadelphia? I actually saw a game there one time. No, I'm not that old. I'm not, I'm not quite at that age. Uh, give, yeah. me, give me a thought on Arkansas baseball, though. I mean, we are 10 days away. Um, we know pitching is the strength. What is there? Is there anything you see potentially as a weakness? No, they seem to be loaded. I mean, they they have a lot of guys with power. They have a, a deep pitching staff. Now, you never, you know, last year Dave pointed out yesterday that they had ten major injuries. I think, and so as he said, they they had kind of run out of gas or were running out of gas for the regional. So you, you know, you you hope the team can stay healthy. And there are a couple of guys now that, you know, like Bobby didn't pitch yesterday because it's kind of a hamstring lingering thing. But, uh, you know, I mean, I haven't seen him too much, but I've seen enough to see this power. I really like uh, Wilmsmeyer. Uh, I like his defense in center field. He made just an amazing shoestring catch last week. And they're hoping he can hit, you know, enough to uh, for that to be another big asset for this team. But, I mean, I could go – player by player, kind of like Dave did yesterday, and it all sounds great before the season. Uh, but the, as he pointed out, to win four of the last five SEC West, and this is the last year for that, by the way, So, uh, but two of the last three SEC titles, uh, he, he thinks really, it, he said yesterday it's harder to win an SEC than it is the, the, uh, the, the College World Series, actually. So I mean, that's pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, because you have to play every day just about. Um, do you think they run out of energy a little bit, Phil? Do you think maybe they get t- – I mean, that's a grind. You saw the Golden State Warriors beat the Chicago Bulls record, and, and Coach even came out and said, man, we didn't have it when the playoffs got here. Do you think there's any any truth to that? I think last year you could have – there was there's something to be said about that. It's weird, though. It's like, you know, you would think a team that has to go on the road for almost a full month and didn't have a great regular season wouldn't make it to Omaha, but the team in 2022 did. And they were on the month for they were on the road for a whole month in June. It's it's so odd to think about that sometimes. And like 2021 was this year where they're number one all season. So there's the pressure of being number one and playing in your home ballpark. The thing though, you is know, you have to like take a step back. And it's something you just mentioned, Grant. At least the perspective of this. Uh, and this is another reason why you go in with these other two teams that we talk about so much not living up to the potential. Arkansas baseball just about always does live up to the expectations and the potential. For these last six years, like you really have to – I want to have perspective about these six years, and this will be the seventh year of this stretch. This, the, the consistent amount of success in this league is amazing. Yeah, especially with 23 uh, new players this year, I think, and I think he said they were 26 last year. So you're talking about more than half of the, of the previous – so you know, you're rebuilding it every year, and you, and you always have to have that chemistry – but Wagner told us a week or so ago that this was the best chemistry team. And he's been on some – this is his sixth year of college baseball. So uh, he knows it. And uh, hopefully that the team that will carry this team. Grant, we'll leave it there. I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Grant, real, early. real quick, who wins the Super Bowl? we got 20 seconds. Oh, man. Uh, what, San Francisco favored by a point and a half. Is that, okay, I'm going to say McCaffrey – 
trumps Mahomes. I like How it. How about that? I like it. Okay. I like it. Thanks, thank you. All Thanks, right. Grant. I actually think I'm starting to feel the same way about that. The bet, the more talented roster. Yeah. Well, it also depends upon something you've hit on. If you're Spags and you're Kansas City's defense, you've been really good. Who is it you're trying to take away? Now, I don't know. You take somebody away, they got two or three other weapons that are ready to go. By the way, there is a uh, there is a finale to that Richie Ashburn story. Uh, it would have been 20 years, 19 years after he gave me that ball. I did stats for a broadcast that he was working for the Phillies when I interned for the Pirates. Nice. I told him about him giving me that ball, and then I apologized for biting it. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. We go to the McClarty Daniel hotline. Time to talk with Alyssa Orange from Pig Trail Nation. Appreciate her time on a Tuesday. Alyssa, as we bring you on here, you might have seen this. Apparently your Dodgers may have re-signed a future Hall of Fame left-hander. Looks like they got a physical scheduled for Kershaw later in the week. I don't think he can pitch for the first (laughs) half, but I think uh, Mr. Dodger will still be a Dodger and probably finish his career there. Yeah, that's good. That's good news. And, and that's kind of what you hope with a guy like Kershaw, right? That he kind of just plays his career at one place and, um, and, and is content with that, is happy with that. Um, you know, Buster Posey, who, you know, I love as a former Seminole. Unfortunately, he went to the Giants, but he stayed with the Giants, whole career with the Giants. And Dan Marino, whole career with Miami. And we've talked about that before. So, you know, it's happy to happy to see that, and um, you know, Kershaw in any other jersey would just be weird. It's still weird to see, you know, Cody Bellinger and and um, and uh, Corey Seager in, in a different uniform, but I I couldn't do it, with Kershaw. Well, it'll be really weird when we see KJ Jefferson in a in a UCF jersey uh, <laughs> yes, next yes. football season. Um, but Devo Davis remains a Razorback. I don't know what the what the future will hold for a fifth year. Does he change his number? Or somewhere else? Yeah, that'd be a good question. That's right. Um, <laughs> you surprised that he came back? Welcomed back? What did you think about this? Yeah, not surprised that he came back. Again, we remember last year and how he just needed time away. That wasn't a departure from the team completely. It was time away, um, and so he came back. So I always thought there's that possibility because it happened last year. I think my thing, and again, this is speculation. I could be playing devil's advocate a little bit, um, but Musk talked yesterday in his radio show that he had a meeting with Devo, and it went really well, and then he practiced. Um, You know, but how did this all go down? You know, and and not that that's really any of our business. It's just speculation as we can talk, but, you know, understanding that there's the player side of it, whether it be a mental health thing, a family thing, you know, whatever it may be, 
to come back. I just hope that it doesn't, <laughs> I say disrupt whatever is going on in the locker room already, though I think there's a lot of disruptive things in that locker room right now. Um, does it make it worse? Does it help? Does it make it better? How is this team with Devo? How is this team without Devo? Um, it's good to see Devo back because of everything he's done with this Razorback team. However, what does it do with any kind of chemistry, whatever camaraderie inside that locker room um, that's there that isn't there? And and I think that's the biggest question. Yeah, a little more transparency. I, I want to know. I, I you kind of want to know what what what's going on there. Um, I'm I'm always pulling for him. You know, as far as healthy spirit, health, healthy emotional hope that he's physically fine and and can play. If let's say he he comes back, plays well. Let's say Brazil comes back, plays well. There's nine games left. Uh, Alyssa, do you do you see? Am I just kind of wishful thinking that this team could go five and four in these last nine games? Uh, yeah, a little bit, <laughs> uh, but but it's all about what team shows up. And again, we have seen Arkansas teams that have fought, and then we have seen honestly too frequently this SEC season teams uh, that get beat by twenty or more points. Um, so I just don't know if this team has that. It's not like it's a couple games here or there that they're losing close. It's it's blowout losses, and I just don't know if they can quickly turn that around that fast even with Devo and even with Trevin. Uh, but we know that Devo is a postseason guy and he turns things on, but I don't even know if there's a postseason that he's going to be able to play in outside of the SEC tournament to show that Devo that we've seen for the last three years. I just, I, I would love for it to happen. However, I just don't see it happening. Women's team getting Talia Scott back now and the way she played the other night against Auburn where she just went unconscious. Um and, and, and that's, that's the first time in an SEC game where it really all came together with Talia there, with the team healthier than they've been really since non-conference. And they're still not fully healthy because Sailor's leg is still an issue and Carly Keats uh, hasn't played for a couple of days after getting an elbow to the nose. But just that Talia looked as she did the other night and it didn't get in the way of winning a game, uh, that gives me a feeling like... Yeah the ball can kind of start going downhill a little bit. The, the thing is, is that the women's team has a schedule that includes Tennessee on the road on Monday, South Carolina at home, Carolina's looks unbeatable, and, and Ole Miss still, which are, which are good basketball teams. So, you know, I just, but at least they're healthy and at least Talia looks good because it, it feels like they might, be, right. they might be at 100% for the first time in a while, maybe in about a week. Which is exactly what you want when you have to go into this little bit of a gauntlet of a stretch here with the teams that you just listed. And you still have to go on the road and play Florida on Thursday. And that's why I think those two home games with Alabama and Auburn, they could not afford to lose that Auburn game. That that Alabama loss hurt when you look at just what you have and winning at home and going on the road, but they had to win that game against Auburn, and they're down nine at half. And we had Mike Neighbors in the studio yesterday talking to him about Leah, and he's mentioned it before, but it's just timing. She just needed to see the ball go in the hoop a couple times, and then obviously she did what she did in the third quarter where she put up 17 points of Arkansas, 31 points. And so as they get to this stretch of this schedule, that is going to be tough. That is going to test them. Having Talia, hopefully having Sailor as healthy as she can be, and getting Carly Keith back potentially is exactly what they need because the team that played against Alabama 
uh, that struggled in that game and, and, and lost that game where Talia only scored 10 points. Though that team is not going to beat Tennessee on the road. They're not going to beat South Carolina. They're, they're not going to beat a, a Ole Miss team, in my opinion. So uh, this is exactly what you need your roster to look like. And knock on wood, no one else gets hurt as you get towards the rest of the, the regular season because you're in February now. You need to be peaking at exactly the right time, so you head into March. I mean, Mike has talked about that too, Phil, about how sometimes they felt like they peaked too early. Then they got to the tournament, and things just kind of stalled out. And and so can this team be exactly where they want them to be heading into uh, the SEC tournament and hopefully an NCAA tournament bid? Well, I mean, we got the big one coming up. There's a lot of different storylines, you know, legacy game for Andy Reid and and Mahomes, uh, Shanahan being the Marv Marv Levy as far as making it but not being able to win it. Uh, The all pros, the all worlds, the most talented roster in the 49ers versus the the most talented quarterback in the Chiefs. Uh, Alyssa, how do you handicap this one? Who's going to be hosting the the, the Lombardi Trophy when it's all said and done? Well, I'm on the 49ers bandwagon with this one. Um, obviously, we've got the, the Dre Greenlaw, Brandon Allen, Ty. Um, but, but they're just a fun team to watch, and I've enjoyed the games that I have watched uh, when they're playing. And, and like you mentioned, I think they're more of a complete football team. Um, the Chiefs have been able to get it done when they need to get it done, though, right? And that's what good teams do. It might not be pretty, it might not be sexy, but they win when they need to win. And that's exactly what they've done this postseason. But I just, I really like the 49ers, and, and I hope that they're the ones who are, who are uh, victorious come the end of Sunday. How does the Radler household take in the Super Bowl? Because when you get two people that live their lives within sports, I would think, yeah. you know, you want to watch the game. Now you're going to watch the other things that go along with it, but not maybe one of these giant parties where everybody's just too loud and you can't watch the game. So how do you watch Yeah. It? Yeah, you know, I'm not a big watch party person for exactly that reason. I like to watch, you know. So the big games that are, you know, the Dolphins games or, or Florida State games or something like that, like I like to watch it, maybe have a couple people over like my mom. Um, but understand, I'm watching this game. I'm not here to socialize. I'm not here to be cute. Uh, however... It is Courtney Menz's birthday. So mm. she is having a birthday party Super Bowl thing. So because of that, I'm making sacrifices to, to my usual role. Yeah, but Courtney's a sports person, too. She can write rules for this party. It's but like, all right, everybody won't. shut up when the game is on. <laughs> and she might. And she might. But she's also a Swifty, and we all know how that's going to go. So she she understands that's an entertainment thing, too, for her. So uh, I, I bet it'll be a little bit of both. With, with her birthday you, party at a Super Bowl party. So I'm making some concessions to go to Courtney's birthday. You got to have two. Super Bowl. Mine two, only stay till halftime, though. I'll just use the kids as an excuse, go home, put the kids away, and then I'll watch it by myself. <laughs> the kid excuse, and that always works. But you got to have <laughs> you got to have two screens, right? There'll probably be maybe two or three different rooms with the game on, so it's not everybody's not just all in one room. And then that way you can kind of veer off and then make sure you get to watch the game, yeah. Yeah, if, if no one if no one can find me halfway through the first quarter, I'm probably upstairs. Irish goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> the kid excuse always works. Matt, always get, works. You got to get yourself. My one sisters, later. they could. Do, I mean, everywhere they, uh, they, I got the kid. It's like, yeah, they, we kids. can't argue with it. It's a school uh, night. It's a school night. Bedtime. Eight o'clock. Got to go. Hey, Alyssa. Thanks for hopping on. Uh, we'll do yeah, it again guys. next week. Okay. 
Always. See ya. Thanks, guys. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas is the perfect destination for your next getaway. Join them for a romantic Valentine's Day getaway with a special dinner or romance package. Or if you're coming to town for live racing, they've got room for you every weekend, including Martin Luther King Day weekend and President's Day weekend. Experience all the luxury and hospitality of a Grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more details. That's ArlingtonHotel.com. Hickey and Hole Law Partners are now here for you and all your legal needs in MENA and the Little Rock area. Hickey and Hole Law Partners specializing in divorce, custody cases, civil litigations, and more. Having over seven decades of combined experience to better serve you and the community you live in. Please visit KevinHickeyLaw.com or call us at 479-434-2414 for a consultation or come by an office nearest you. Things are about to get better. We just have a karaoke segment here as, as, as we wait on Bill King. That's all right. Bill's got uh, a meeting that he's in right now, so he's running a little bit late. So we'll, uh, we'll get to Bill uh, when the chance arises. And I wonder, is there, gonna, is, there a college, is there a college football coach or any coach that you think might retire in this next calendar year? I wonder when Pop retires. I think Calipari's closer than we think. You think so? That's what I, yeah, I think so. What is it about that, you think? Why, why do you think that, that, that Calipari is the next one? How long has he been at Kentucky? 17 years or 13 years? I think you know, it's more like 13. Yeah, he's been there for a, a little bit. Um, I don't know. This, this whole changing of the SEC, Big Ten, everything, the way the college landscape, I guess what you, you were talking about earlier and, uh, you know, talking about the relay. I, I mean, he was the, one of the first to do one-and-dones and all that, but it just – I don't. I just don't think Kentucky's that. Th- th- they've been that good over the last. When's the last time they won a national title? Uh, they won that national title with him in 2012. See, that was his third year. I guess he signed the lifetime contract the next, right after that. They just. I just don't think they're that good either. I watched him play when we, when they played the Hogs earlier this year, and 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 yeah, he he gets some talent, a little bit of some a- athletes, but man, they don't. I don't, they don't look, and, and it's kind of, it's been, the, that's his theme. That's his thing, kind of the same with Musselman, but it's it's a little different. It's like they just kind of struggle and figure it out until they get to the tournament and then they try to make a run. Yeah, I mean, there's still, there's still the embarrassment of, uh, of uh, the loss in the first round a couple of years ago. You know, only a second round. That's the thing. I mean, you're at that program where uh, whatever happens in the regular season, nobody's really all that worried about it because it's all what happens in March that matters. And they haven't really done anything in March in a long time. I mean, a long time. I haven't been on the Final Four in nine years. Well, his best player uh, when he had John uh, Derrick Rose at Memphis, but when he had Anthony Davis on that team uh, with, with Kentucky, that, that was his best player. For, uh, absolutely. He's 65 years old. I mean, that's not, that's not old. That's, uh, that would make him, if he was a college football coach, uh, that would make him the fourth oldest head coach in college football. Mac Brown is the oldest. He's 72. Kirk Ferentz, 69. Don Brown of UMass, 68. And then you'd have Calipari in there. I guess that's around the time you'd start wondering about retirement too, right? Sam Pittman's 62 years old. I mean, 62, that's uh, the, Toby Keith was 62, right? Passed 62. away this morning at age yeah. 62. It Ru- feels, feels quite young for that. 
Hey, uh, C-Unit, Bill says he's ready to go. You can go ahead and give him a call, and uh, we'll get into some of the some college football stuff. Because, hey, it's uh, tomorrow's National Signing Day, for crying out loud. <laughs> right? I mean, is this supposed we get to be a, a big thing now, or is it just sort of... Uh, the, the conversation that goes along with National Signing Day in February is when are we going to get back to doing a signing day that's all, that all seems to make sense? We get Jackson Daly on tomorrow, too. A there local local kid. Uh, we get Danny West on tomorrow, too. Missouri's down here poaching our kids. You know, they got a lot of Arkansas ties. You look at uh, Greenwood is the one I thought of, and you told me today about the, the Fayetteville guy with uh, Greenlaw. So they, they're... They're doing big things in the state of Arkansas, coming in, taking your players, and, and whooping you and making you like it. Yeah, so we get a chance to maybe ask one of these Arkansas kids who's uh, committed to Missouri, what is it about Missouri? What is going on? Is it the fact that Arkansas can't beat Missouri in football? You know, they but come in also- here, take your own players, and beat you with your own, your own kind, man. Well, but it's also legacies. It's not just kids from Arkansas. It's kids whose parents have played at Arkansas. Two legacy good. kids, right? Mm-hmm. Daly and Lindsay. Yeah, it's wild. We got Bill King with us here uh, on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Happy Tuesday, Bill. What's going on? Hey guys, how you doing? Doing all right. Uh, signing day is tomorrow. I mean, is there any is there anything big that'll happen tomorrow? Because so much of this occurs on um, in in the early signing period. No, I mean there'll be kids who sign, but there's no splash moment that I know of. It's it's very anticlimactic. They've killed they've killed that one off, literally. All right. Well, Any Alex Collins things happening? Anything like that? <laughs> uh, not that I know of. No, that, that's some drama I'd watch, but I don't know. I don't think so. Is that one of the more, I mean, of course, it's one of the more wilder ones. Was there, you heard other stories that were like that? A parent running away with a piece of paper or, or, or something that's good? Anybody has to say, if you pay attention to college football recruiting, if you say the Alex Collins incident, they all know what you mean. Is there anything else that you've, like, well, you know what they meant because they just said this? DB, who's in the NFL right now from Louisiana, really good player. I just don't watch the NFL. On his uh, signing day, his mom's sitting there in disgust, just head going back and forth, foul look on her face. I remember that one. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's I wouldn't say it's common, but it happens. Um, I think this advisory group with the Big Ten and the SEC was announced after we had you on last Tuesday. So this this just I don't know what an advisory group means, but I just know that these are the two biggest, most important conferences, the richest conferences in college sports, two conferences that you'd even mentioned to us at a meeting with the NCAA and President Charlie Baker are making a power play. And it sounds like that's the power play. What what are they what are they talking about? And is this gonna be, you know, are we talking about maybe a super league in the near future? We already have a, two super leagues. You got thirty-four teams in those two leagues in twenty-seven states. It's 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 already here, and you're not going to expand just for the purpose of putting more teams in your league. They better be additive, not diluted. Two words we always use. If you're going to take somebody, they're either additive or diluted. There's no just bringing somebody in. And this is a pure power play. I've been talking about this for years, and. Uh, they are getting together with this advisory board, but this is a power play. And I'll tell you what's on the table. They're even threatening. Now, I don't think this will happen, but Sankey here in recent days has threatened the future of the playoff. Hmm. 
Hmm. Unless, unless basically we get our way, and their way is either we go to a 5-7 format and not six automatics. And frankly, guys, they're going to ask for all. They're going to ask for all at-large. Bid. Huh. If you would have done that this last year, only one team would have gotten in the playoff, not in the Big Ten or the SEC, and that would have been Florida State. That's what they want. Now, again, I don't know what the compromise is or if they'll compromise. They don't want SMU to get the $6 million bucks that P5 teams get by virtue of being in the P5 under the playoff agreement. They're saying they're not going to give them that money. And um, there's, there's the future TV contract, which has not been negotiated or at least has not been finalized. They're in negotiations right now, which instead of being $600 million is going to be billions. And they're going to want a much bigger piece of that pie than the percentage they're getting at the current number. There's a lot at stake here, and there's so much at stake here that they're willing to threaten the future of the playoffs. That's so interesting to think about because you, you, you think of when a lot of these moves have been made of the, you know, the brand-name schools from one league to another and has created all the right. trickle-down. It's coincided with signing new media deals. Um, and, and so what you're talking about here is that the next movement of college sports, and it might not have anything to do with, with, with uh, teams leaving one conference for another, it could, it could be conferences leaving the NCAA. And that coincides from what I'm hearing from you with two years from now when the new college football playoff uh, contract is negotiated. That would be the next inflection point? Yes. And, again, I don't think they – plan on not being involved but they're threatening it because they have that power you you can't have a legit playoff and not have the sec and or the big 10 and they're going to hook together here on this another item i'm sure they're talking about that they will not admit to is if there is another expansion how do you want to handle this let's try and be in unison do don't come down here to the South, even though we don't want Florida State. Don't come down here and get them unless you say you take them. Then we'll take them. What do you want to do with Clemson? What do you want to do with Miami? Those are other discussions they're having. Because those those teams want the bleep out of the ACC. Period. Is is there going to be more of a, with these kids, more of a long-term contract or chances instead of everything right now is a one-year deal? Do you see that getting changed as well? Yes, we're going to have monumental change. The schools are going to be given the power to issue the money, and uh, you're going to have contracts. You're going to have unions. The the Dartmouth news yesterday, that's going to get appealed. Remember Northwestern did the same thing, got appealed, and then got shot down on appeals. They will get their unions. This will happen. Now, timing-wise, in courts, that's tough to predict. But, yes, there will be unions. The schools will divvy out the money. There will be contracts. There will be labor negotiations. There will be strikes. All of the above. <laughs> now, now we're Total. talking. Prof- now we're talking professional sports, not this NIL stuff. Now we're talking no, no, no. Sports. And and guys, it, Jack Swarbrick about three years ago said he could see in the near future sports only on campus. So you could easily have campuses where the athletes are there, but they're there only for that. And no other purpose. Hey, Bill. 
Oh, go, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, okay. I was. I, I just want to ask you a football question uh, yeah. about some of these kids, and, and and I get it. It's a quarterback. We were talking earlier about the quarterbacks drafted yeah. in front of Patrick Mahomes, and it was Mitch Tabriski and and where he went, and and I was looking at some of the athletes in this year's draft, and I understand that quarterbacks are going. I saw one where Bo Nix was a first round pick. I have no idea how he's a first round pick, but you know what. <laughs> Whatever, but I, I want to ask you about some guys that I think all three of them are going to succeed. Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, Rome from Washington, yeah. and Neighbors from LSU. Just rank those receivers for me real quick. Put those one, two, three. Probably go Harrison Jr. And then um, Neighbors probably two and the UW kid three. I think two and three is highly debatable. I think all three of those kids are going to excel at, at the, in the NFL. Now, the quarterbacks, I think it's more of a roll of the dice, uh, especially yeah. after you get past yeah. Williams and Drake May. But I think all three of those receivers uh, could go in any order. I think they're all three going to have success. No doubt. I do, too. It's, it's a bigger jump from high school to college. Receiver is, is a tough jump, but it's, it's very doable. College to pro seems to be very difficult. And the reason being is, as you know, the DBs are just so much better. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy, the difference in the DBs. Exactly. Well, why, why did Bryce Young struggle so much? I mean, we look at somebody that doesn't have a lot of size. He didn't have a great team around him, and that's got to be so much right. about it. You know, just we, we were kicking around the idea of, the you know, the Bears have this first pick. What do you do? Do you trade fields? Do you draft Caleb Williams? Williams doesn't want to play there. You know, it sounds like potentially he could be uh, maybe a, a little bit of a load to deal with off the floor. He still hasn't court. signed with the agent, Phil. Like, there's still talk. He's acting like if he doesn't like it, he might go back to, to which I don't think so. But he hasn't signed with an agent yet. Is Caleb Williams? I mean, I, re- I read scouting reports on Caleb Williams, and it's like he's going to be the next coming of of, uh, of of Peyton Manning or something like that. What do you think of Caleb Williams at the next level? I don't it's it's hard from after this year and it's probably a very unfair assessment. And he didn't have a lot of help and they don't play defense and I think he lost his spirit during the season. But I worry about him. I, I worry about him just as far as the leadership and all that's concerned. Now I do think he has fantastic ability. If you promised me he's as good as CJ Stroud, I'd take that right now. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Speaking of Ohio State, are, uh, are the Buckeyes going to be looking for another offensive coordinator? I read where Bill O'Brien, I mean, it would make sense, maybe the next head coach at Boston College, so that would leave another job open in Columbus. Seems that way. Um, be a head coach. Now, you're not going to win there probably, but be a head coach. His son has a disease that apparently the best doctor in the world for that disease is in Boston. And it involves him having seizures all the time. Hmm. And apparently that's a big consideration. Obviously that'd be more important than any other consideration. Right. And I think that is part of this element too. Wow. I didn't know that about his son. Yeah. Boston would be a place I'd want to live if I, uh, if I needed the any kind of medical yeah. treatment, truthfully, yep. um, we're ten days from college baseball season. Uh, who are you now? You I know you uh, you pay attention to Corbs with Vanderbilt, Tony Valls over at Tennessee. Um, who, who who are you looking at this year in the Southeastern Conference? Because usually it's like take your pick of any seven or eight teams. Yeah. I'll tell you, watch out for Arkansas. This is going to be a really good team this year. Oh yeah, I love Arkansas. I love watching them. LSU. I mean, this is the, your obligatory list. Florida. Vanderbilt, Tennessee, 
Georgia's got the uh, new coach there. Now, they don't care a lot about it, the, the university, but that'll be fun to watch. And um, South Carolina had some moments a year ago, right? I think they'll see Kentucky's always well coached. Those are a few I'll be taking a look at, but I'm mad because on Friday night, meaning a week from this Friday, I'm going to have to order Flow Sports to watch Tennessee and Texas Tech play. That's, I'm not happy about that. Arkansas baseball fans feel you. They really do because they got to do the same oh. thing for the second weekend of the season when they're at the Rangers ballpark. Or, you know, they know they could just listen to the radio broadcast because it's 10 out of 10. That's what I would do, but I, I do want to watch. I, I'm going to spend thirty dollars. I think I figured I'm spending thirty bucks on three games, uh, Friday night or fr- through the weekend. What a waste! That's how we know you're hardcore, Bill. If, you, if you're doing the flow sports thing, that's called hardcore. Hey, that's thanks for stopping bad. over. Thank you so much. See you guys. Yep. Yeah, always a joy. Thanks, Bill. Bill King, Nashville Sports Radio, noted college baseball junkie. Otherwise, he wouldn't be throwing thirty bucks at Flow Sports. Our listeners know all about that. It, it keeps you away from watching the spring football games, I guess, for, for paying he, for that. You get to you now you get to watch baseball a little more real live action. Yeah, he won't watch he won't be watching the spring games. I know that for sure. I was gonna ask him if he's gonna watch the Super Bowl and it's like he's I think he'd be more worried about cooking for the Super Bowl. Because you know Bill, I mean he's just he's not into pro football at all. But I think even if you're not into pro football, you still watch the Super Bowl, right? He could be a Taylor Swift fan. He could be a Swifty. Probably not. I think you'd be more of a Toby Keith fan today. We'll get into the home stretch of halftime and talk to you after the quick break. It started as a dream, and here you are. It's moving day. But wait, isn't moving supposed to be stressful? Oh, that's right. You bought your home using Weikert Realtors. Your Weikert agent guided you from start to finish to help make sure we found you your perfect place. Dream, move, home, Weikert. Call your local Weikert Realtors office to... You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.